This episode is brought to you by Logitech MX Master Series, an ecosystem of advanced tools designed for coders that gets you into a flow and keeps you there until the last line of code is written and compiled. Choose between fluid mechanical typing or laptop-like low-profile typing, all paired with the experience of scrolling 1,000 lines of code per second with Logitech's best-selling mouse, MX Master 3S. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I'm your host, Ben Popper, world's worst coder, and I am joined as often am by my colleague and collaborator, Ryan Thor Donovan, blog editor extraordinaire, newsletter curator, and occasional podcast host. Ryan, I make it longer every time. Every time I add more. I know, every time. I'm just, uh, you can just make me ordinaire. I don't need the uh, extra. So what are we going to be chit-chatting about today? This is the Stack Overflow podcast. We're a place to talk about folks sharing knowledge, open source. I think today is a big, a very popular open source project, right? We're talking about uh, possibly the world's most popular web scanning application. Oh, cool. A lot of web security and that sort of thing. Nice. All right. That sounds great. Well, then, without further ado, we would like to welcome our guest to the program, Simon. Thanks for coming on the Stack Overflow podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Simon, tell folks a little bit about who you are and, yeah, a little bit of your background in the world of software and technology. Like, how did you end up creating such a popular thing and, and what is it you do day to day now? Sure. Uh, so, my name is Simon Bennett. In 2010, I released a tool called Z, Z Attack Proxy, uh, which got adopted by OWASP. And I go back a little bit before that. I was a developer and developed you know, lots of online services. I think I started off working on mainframe operating systems, so I'm a bit old. But in, well, in 2009, I was working for a FTSE 100 company, so it's one of the top 100 companies in the UK. Developed an online service, and it was security critical. We kind of planned the security, decided, you know, everything was going fine. We got the pen testers in a couple of weeks before it went to, to go live. Uh, you know, tick the boxes, show we'd done everything right. Got them in, a couple of guys sat them in a room, explained everything about the service. You know, they're on our side, wanted them to understand everything. Came back an hour later just to check they were, you know, okay. They understood everything. One of them was logged into the admin console with my credentials. <laughs> They'd got super user access within an hour. It was a bit worse than that. It, it wasn't actually a vulnerability in my software. They'd cracked the single sign-on system for the whole company in an hour. <laughs> that was one of those, oh. oh, my God, this isn't going the way I expected. Yeah, car crash time. Uh, at the end of the week, it and <laughs> um, uh, this was not a good time for me. Uh, here, here I was, you know. I've been at the company a couple of years, been working on this stuff. This was going to prove how good it was, and it gone horribly wrong. So, uh, yeah, big problems. So it's one of those things. Like, okay, I'm a developer. I'm pretty good at developing. You know, I can make sure things work. They're, they're functional. They scale. They're maintainable. I obviously can't make them secure. So mm. let's learn a bit about security. Um, and that's kind of where I started. So I wasn't looking to create anything. I just wanted to help myself be a better developer so I could actually make things more secure. Do, do you know the uh, OWASP code for the uh, vulnerability? I mean, well, I mean, that was that was an authentication one. I mean, the, the was, I mean there was one, the um, cross-site request forgery, I'd never even heard of. You know, mm -hmm. they found a cross-site scripting vulnerability, which are, that was a mistake. 
we knew about those, but cross-site request forgery, I knew nothing about. And I was like, it's okay. This app is an internal one. It's behind a firewall. So we're fine. And the pen test just looked at me. Simon, I can show you how we can abuse this from outside the org. Like, oh, no. Okay. I, I just realized, right, I've got to understand this stuff better. How did you go about doing that, educating yourself, and uh, what came of it? Well, I mean, I hadn't heard of OWASP, which sounds bad then, but you know, a lot of developers still haven't heard of OWASP this day and age, which is uh, really worrying for us anyway. But I was talking about OWASP, found out about the OWASP top 10, so top 10 most uh, significant risks in web applications, read that cover to cover, made sure I understood it. But I'm a developer. I don't really like reading stuff. I like doing things. I like playing with stuff. So I thought, okay, I'm going to have a plan here. One, I want to learn a bit more about security. Um, so I'm going to download some security tools, some free open source ones, have a play with them. And I also want to make sure I actually test the stuff I'm doing. So I want to find an open source security tool, which I can automate. I can test, run against my stuff every night, not get embarrassed in front of the pen testers again. But I've also always had kind of sidelines, little side projects. And I thought, well, this could be something interesting. I'm fascinated by what's happening here. If it's an open source project that I could get involved in with security, then that's all three sorted. So had a look around, and I was really shocked at that time. That's 2009. There were no maintained open source web security projects out there, none. And that kind of felt wrong to me. Uh, but that wasn't really my focus. I was just, you know, I found some old ones. So there was uh, the OWASP tool web Scarab, which was a bit strange. I didn't really get on with it. And then there was a tool called, called Paris Proxy, which I quite liked. It was quite simple and straightforward. So I started playing around with that. It was a desktop tool, desktop UI, written in Java. So, so it happens I was a Java dev. There were a couple of things that annoyed me about it. I was just one, there was one little thing where one of the right-click options was either in sites tree or not in the history or vice versa. And I wanted it in both. So I'm a Java dev. I pulled it into Eclipse, found the code, copied it, and it worked. And I still remember doing that and thinking, oh, this is fun. I can do something with this. But anyway, that was just, I kept on playing around with this, trying to teach myself. But I also thought that really to understand things, one, coding them, but two, explaining them to other people. And I knew the people, the developers and functional testers where I worked didn't know anything about security either. So I started giving talks, simple OWASP top 10 ones. And the first question mm-hmm. everyone asked is, what tool should we use? Okay, so I went back, had another look. You know, what tool can I recommend? And the closest tool I could find was still Paros. Or actually, it wasn't. It was a version of Paros I was hacking around with on my desktop because that was being maintained in a way by me. So <laughs> I've got to try this. Um, it's got to be worth a try. So I forked it, called it Zap. I created a whole set of new accounts. I didn't want to associate it with me just in case I got sued or got laughed at by the security community or something, uh, and released it. And and then told people at work, oh, well, I've just seen this tool called Zap. It looks, you know, have a look at it, have a play with it. And uh, <laughs> it's who I was. Right, asking for a friend. Said, so I came back and actually accepted it. And I try and track everything. And I remember the day I was accepted it, I got to jump 400 downloads in one day. It's like, oh, wow. And uh, just grew from there. So have you since then taken some credit? I think I saw your name cited in, on the Wikipedia. And what role, yeah, do you play as sort of like originator, lead maintainer, casual contributor? Like what's your relationship with it now? Uh, so I am one of the project leaders. So I'm, I'm the, the founder and one of the project leaders. We have a team 
of four uh, core team members. We have an extended team, uh, but I am sponsored by JIT, the company I work for, to spend most of my time working on Zap. So what are the sort of security vulnerabilities that this will catch? What are the biggest ones? So oh, we have a list on the website, um, the hundreds. Zap will detect hundreds of vulnerabilities. Mm. It's particularly, I mean, injection vulnerabilities are tend to be some of the easier ones. Uh, when you talk about web vulnerabilities, there are certain ones which are easy to automate and some which it's kind of really hard and it's much easier for an experienced pen tester to find. And, you know, I certainly don't think the Zap is the be-all and end-all. I wouldn't say you've got a security-critical application, run Zap, and then you're fine. You know, you need a blended approach. Uh, and if you've got some services you really care about, you probably want to get professional pen testers in regularly. You want to have a bug bounty. There's a whole range of things. But if you just get the pen testers in without doing any testing yourself, they're going to find some really easy things and be wasting your time, really. You, you know, you'll be paying them to turn the handle, really. Um, so Mozilla sponsored me to work on Zap uh, before JIT did. And there I was kind of responsible for services, web services behind Firefox. And we would get, so we'd get a couple of pen tests done a year on particular services. And it was great getting the pen testers in and after a few days seeing them sweat because they couldn't find anything. Then they, you know, <laughs> then they would really focus and they, we found, some of them found some great vulnerabilities, um, but they had to try hard. You know, we want to we want to make sure that pen testers, uh, you know, earn their keep. Yeah, I mean, the, the the security researchers definitely do the work. I've read about a couple sort of amazing security vulnerabilities, like the Rowhammer one. It's a pretty good one. I read about another one where on a hypervisor you could fake an I/O port, and I think you could do it through a video file. Just open up vulnerabilities, and it's like, how does that work? Yeah, the, the edge cases are crazy. Mm -hmm. And for those kind of things, for really new research, you need people involved. Okay, you know, computers are getting clever and, you know, that's not going to find the really new stuff. Um, there's always going to be fun things for the human pen testers to find and, and abuse. But <laughs> more we can automate. There aren't enough pen testers. There aren't enough security people. We need to automate more and we need to get the best out of the security people we've got. Right. Yeah. If your training data ends in late 2021, you're probably missing a bunch of the new vulnerabilities that have emerged. So does the right. open source nature, I guess, of the project lend itself right to being able to keep pace with the development of new edge cases or zero days and things like that? Uh, it's tricky. I was hoping that we would be able to get lots and lots of contributors. And we've had hundreds of contributors. But we don't have many long-term ones. And it's really long-term contributors that really benefit the open source projects in general. So, you know, we want more people to get involved. We've always been a community-focused project, but it's it's tricky and security is hard. And I think a lot of developers are nervous at contributing to a security project. Um, they're afraid that, you know, they, they don't know enough about it. Uh, it's a great way to learn, by the way. And security is a great career to get into. Often you need, you know, qualifications or, you know, but... I've got a list of companies who've said, if you know anyone who, who understands that code base, we'll employ them. So I can get people into the security industry who yeah. just need to get involved and uh, volunteer for a bit. Oh, this is good. All right. Well, at the end, we'll give a shout out. We'll put some links in the show notes. But if you're listening and you want a job in security, apparently Simon has some waiting for you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned ChatGPT and some of the new things that are, that are roving around the internet. Uh, autonomous agents is all the hype this week of people asking an AI to do something and it spins up a bunch of other agents to do it. But from your perspective, what have been the most interesting slash maybe terrifying 
trends to emerge in the last year? What should people be thinking about when it comes to web security? And yeah, like where do you think tools like the ones you've created are going to be headed in terms of helping people the most? Oh, good question. Um, so I, I don't tend to look at the bleeding edge research. That's very much on the manual side. So I'm focusing myself much more on the automation and how we can, it's kind of how we can cope with things at the moment because web applications right now are a complete and utter pain. The move towards more functionality in the front end makes things really difficult. Just things like how to explore an application. You can't use a traditional crawler. You really have to you know, launch a browser and control that. And that can be um, a little bit challenging. <laughs> then you, know, you have to authenticate. <laughs> Authenticating to applications is a complete pain. We've got low-level support for all these things, but then you have to have somebody who really understands it to configure Zap to be able to authenticate. Right now, I'm trying to automate that. I'm trying to get Zap to actually recognize common patterns and handle all of that side, but it's really hard. Uh, but then, you know, there's a lot of, I think, web development seems to be getting more and more complex and more frameworks and tools getting involved. And the more things, the more complexity, the more chance of vulnerabilities the more cracks, the more holes where things can go horribly wrong. Keeping thing as, things as simple as possible is always best from a security point of view, but there are competing um, requirements on developers and uh, security is one of the lower ones, unfortunately. I mean, the, the, the framework sort of shortcut you, lets you do a lot of cool stuff, but you're right, it does open up a lot more surfaces. Are there specific vulnerabilities that you think frameworks and additional complex complexity opens up that people should look out for? In some ways, a lot of frameworks are making things better, particularly with um, encoding outputs. So they are making things like cross-site scripting are trickier if you actually follow what the frameworks recommend. Most modern frameworks now actually have a good security posture as long as you do what they recommend. Um, So following that, I think, generally makes things better, but there are always edge cases and um, there are always... The more that frameworks do for you, the less, in some ways, you have to think about security, and that then becomes a problem. If you think, oh, the framework will handle everything, and it doesn't. Yeah, thinking that the framework will do everything for you is a big danger. Usually this time of the show, we shout out uh, the winner of a badge. But today, I have a very special question shout out. Asked two months ago, CSP alerts by OWASP, even though CSP header is added. Someone wanted to know why they were getting this alert. They thought they had it right. And somebody named Simon Bennett came and left an answer here. You should always look at the Zap alert details. And then the comments in here says, ah, you made me read the alert details carefully. Now I figured it out. So thanks for sharing a little knowledge here on Stack Overflow. <laughs> and uh, I outvoted your answer. So you've, you've gotten some extra points now. Yes. <laughs> People ask questions in so many places, and Stack Overflow is one of the key places. You know, I, there's a Zap tag. I I get alerts on that to check it all the time, and uh, you know, it's important, and that's a, a key. Right. You know, it's such a key resource people use. Got to go there and make sure um, people, you know, can help people out. Great. Well, thanks for contributing to the platform, and uh, yeah, Stack Overflow is unofficial support for. Another software tool. Definitely. We are the world's FAQ troubleshooting forum. All right, everybody. As always, thank you for listening. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. If you have questions or suggestions for us, shoot us an email, podcast at stackoverflow.com. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find it at stackoverflow.blog. 
And if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at rthordonovan. I'm Simon Bennett. I'm the OSAP founder and one of the project leads. On social media, I'm Sinon, P-S-I-I-N-O-N. You should find me on most of those places. And if you'd like to get involved in working on Zap or understanding more about Zap, just get in touch. And a big shout out to jit.io for supporting my work on Zap. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you soon. <laughs>